All right. Um, welcome to the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Today, I'm joined in the podcast studio with Michael Luna. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you. What an introduction. I'm pumped up. I'm excited. Um, I told you before the show that I am I was pleasantly surprised and encouraged mm -hmm. that you would even accept an opportunity like this. I know. I'm I know. Um, I, I, I look up to you tremendously. I think about um, when you and I were peers, we were uh, in, in a leadership role over at, in the insurance world. Uh, you were somebody who continued to just, uh, I think, I think the phrase that, that, that would be accurate to say you would farm up other leaders, <laughs> you would farm other trainers, you would just uh, produce them. And I think that, that I remember you being somebody that you were referred to as the expert of the expert of the experts. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I think I've learned from you a lot over the, over the years, but I'm excited for us to showcase some of your journey. And sure. something that you're incredibly passionate about, which is the failure element in leadership. <laughs> yep. Okay. So before we continue, I want people to know a little bit about you and your background. So if I have any of this off, you just let me know and I'll be Will do. I'll be a gracious, I'll be gracious and being corrected. Yes. All right. So you have your bachelor's degree in business administration from West Texas A&M. Mm -hmm. Almost 10 years in the insurance world. Yes. With a six years in the leadership role. Mm -hmm. Um and and currently you work with big brothers big sisters in in the nonprofit sector yes as an outcomes manager that that's right? correct you got it all and then um let me see here and then one of the one of the um unique experiences you have in the leadership role is uh working through a site closure in uh, in Amarillo where you had 200 people reporting to you that's correct and helping them figure out their next steps yes exactly well awesome okay it's awesome so i'm glad they, they know a little bit about who you are in your background of course they'll learn a little bit more as they keep on tuning in but let's jump on in so so for people who don't know, I sent Michael Luna a Facebook message on Messenger <laughs> and I asked him if he'd be willing to be on the podcast and um, he graciously accepted, but he had this, he had, he had a condition, if you will, maybe, yes. maybe, maybe it was a condition, maybe it was something else. Uh, it's, it was As a, 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 maybe I, a I request. I on hard mode. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he said he really wanted to talk about failure in the leadership role. Yes. So that's where we're going to start off the first part of the podcast. So I want people to know I didn't ask him to talk about <laughs> failure. That's not what I do. I don't lead people to to talk about yeah. the hard stuff but i always respect it when they when people are willing to talk about the not so glamorous part of the journey Absolutely. because really we all relate to that we've all been in a situation where we were not successful or we, or we were not in an ideal spot and i think it's going to hit a lot of people hope so so let's jump on in so when you think of failures in the leadership position uh what comes to mind <laughs> what comes to mind for me is those moments and opportunities where you're like i'm supposed to be the expert i'm supposed to be um the end-all be-all and i messed up <laughs> mm -hmm. um you know your shots off and it, it, I speak too much in sports analogies and everyone around me absolutely hates it. <laughs> but it's definitely your shots off. Um, you're, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Um, there is an objective. Uh, when you're an individual contributor, it's very easy to say, I specifically need to do X, Y, Z to accomplish the task. But when you're given, uh, and we both know this because mm -hmm. we were both supervisors, when you're given 15 people and you're saying you do X, Y, Z, you do X, Y, Z, you do X, Y, Z, inevitably someone's not going to do it. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, uh, what I think about there where it's like you, you're losing sleep at night. You're waking up at two 30 in the morning. You're like, why couldn't this person just do this? Why couldn't they just do that? And, uh, yeah. that's, that's what I think about. Yes. Um, I know, uh, I think 
any leader out there can relate to somebody on their team who doesn't seem to want to be led and doesn't yes. want to be influenced. And it's like, um, and you can look at your own experience, your own expertise of what you've learned, or you can even look at your own character. You're like, am I modeling a learner spirit? Mm. And you're like, wait, I'm modeling it. You right. know, I'm learning from my leader, you know? Yeah. And um, that certainly could be a frustration. I know uh, even from an analytical perspective, you know, I, I can look at, well, how is my team performing, right? Compared to everybody else. Are we at the average or above the average? Right. Um, if we're above the average, I kind of feel safe, you know? I feel like right. somewhat successful. Well, if we're above the average, we have to be doing something maybe better than the, the, the majority of the people. Yes. But, but the average, the definition of average or above average. Um, and I think when my team's not there, I think I could feel like that. Right. And you start analyzing everything, you know? I, sure. I, I remember analyzing. I, I, um, I was going through every single team meeting. Like, what did I do? What did I sacrifice? How much did yes. I pay? Did I pay for meals? You know, even. Right. Um, but it's going through everything that I could potentially think of that can that could have led to me you know for me uh, people who've tuned in enough know that i went through a layoff you know mm -hmm. it, from it, from last year into um march of this year of 2019 right. um but uh i just i just i relate tremendously to um i think feeling the failure in the right. leadership role exactly yeah and and i'd also say with that it's you you look at it and you're like okay what what is wrong with me and it's so easy to fall into that trap as a leader um when you start taking on the opportunities of your people and you're like, it's me whenever it's, it, it, maybe their shots off, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it, it, you're there to help them with that. But if you take it on and you say, oh no, it's all me, you're not helping them. You're not benefiting them. You're not improving their game. Um, you really have to look at what they're doing and how you can help them understand how to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. In the leadership role, we kind of go like, um, how many, how many more hours can I put in? Right. You know, like right. if I'm putting in 40, if I put in 44, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. or if I change something around on the weekend. And, right, right, yeah. right. Let me just put more work in, which makes me a little bit more stressed, which probably makes me a little bit less effective. Right. Um, but no, I, I relate to that 100. So, uh, so let me let's go back to that conversation. Sure. Um, what motivated you to initiate the failure talk? Like what, what gave you the motivation to say, let's talk about this topic well it's not because i'm a masochist <laughs> it's more so i i think a lot of times um it's very easy to t to talk about all your victories you know mm -hmm. that i had a lot of successes like you said i my team was always a talent farm whenever i um, worked in the insurance industry i was always really good at identifying what made people great and how they could achieve and excel further in that. Mm -hmm. um, and I've, I've had a lot of victories. I'm very proud of it. I'm very humbled by the opportunities that I've had. But I think if I look at what gives the most value add um, for me to talk today would be to talk to not so tenured leaders and say, you will fail. You will make mistakes. There will be times where you don't win the game um, mm -hmm. and that's okay. You have to learn from it. You have... Uh, it, Every time that you lose, there's an opportunity to uh, afford yourself a new strength. Mm. Um, so I, I definitely, when when you approached me with it, I was like, it'd be really easy for me to talk to you, uh, you know, for an hour about, oh, I did this great, I did this great. Um, but I think the reality of it, and I think something that people need to identify is there are um, failures and losses in. Um, you know, being a supervisor, being a leader, mm -hmm. um, that you definitely need to find strength. In. Yes. And um, I think w when I hear somebody willing to talk about failure and they're willing to talk about hardship, 
um i think maybe the first thought that comes to mind is courage you know like it takes very little courage for me to tell you about what i'm good at you right. know oh yeah like that's easy you know yeah um you know you're on a first date you know you know you just lead out with your good foot you know yeah. and but the courage to tell you what i'm not so proud about what i might be even embarrassed about for sure and you know what i i think about it is like, like this communication paradox right. where i don't want to talk about my weakness but the, what but when i do and when i choose to do i find i get stronger right. so i get stronger talking about my weakness or the hardship isn't as huge Right. If I'm willing to share share it with other people around me. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, with your strengths, you have your strengths. They're apparent. They're inherent. You're not working on those. But when you can come up and say, here's my opportunity. This is what I'm working on. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get better at this. Mm -hmm. um, there's there's a much more resonant, more powerful message. there. Yes. So if we got into the details, then for you, what was what's, what's, what's maybe a specific, you know, failure mm -hmm. that you faced that um you uh, you maybe had you really had to strive to learn from and grow from sure so um I, and in anything that i say i intend no disrespect or devalue of anybody else um i think specifically about um an opportunity where i had uh an employee who just did not want to be there mm -hmm. um and i pushed too much i pushed too much to keep that person successful i was thinking you know financially that person needs a place uh financially they're struggling i need to keep them employed um i know that they're not doing their job i know they're even falling asleep on the job uh -oh. um yeah so you know i i kept that person employed um and later on i went into social media uh and i, I found that person i was actually going to add them i was like this person was pretty cool mm -hmm. you know we, we got along fairly well uh, and I saw specifically that they had a post where they were making fun of me mm. um, for that very effort. Yeah. They were saying, you know, I can't believe that this guy was keeping me on. I wasn't doing my job. And then I had, you know, other former employees like posting in. They're like, yeah, you never did anything. And yeah, you were always asleep on the job. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I looked at that and it made me think, maybe I need to be tougher. Maybe I need to be more difficult uh, as a leader. Like maybe I need to be more harsh. And I thought through that. I ruminated over it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it came down to the fact that I understood that I took care of that person uh, even when they didn't deserve it. They didn't earn it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's an important thing to understand as a leader. You know, that that defeat, that, that failure, uh, I learned... You know, I, I, at some point you do have to <clears throat> quit giving to someone. Wow. Um, and, and I learned definitely that there's a good discernment that you need to have about yourself to understand when a situation is a lost cause, uh, and you still treat that person with respect and you still, uh, treat that person with, you know, a level of human love. Um, mm -hmm. but you definitely have to hold them accountable because if you don't hold them accountable, you're not holding yourself accountable. That's right. Well. Um, and I think any I think any leader uh, can relate to the challenge of leading people who don't want the influence, yeah, who don't exactly. want to um, follow, right? And right. who and who who don't want it as bad as you do, right? right. And it, and if you're a leader who's in the who's passionate, who's driven, and who who wants to make an impact, right. then you have this amount this this element of like self-motivation like right. hey I, i'm 
I'm going to hold myself to a high standard. I'm going to go, go after it. And I, and I, I, and I know in my world, I talk about it, you know, in the coaching world right now, it's nice because it's people who want it right. and who are willing to pay for it. Right. Right. Um, and if they were falling off or something like that, there, hey, it was no longer a good connection. It could be a very easy and amicable, you know, just, hey, disconnect. All right. right. Uh, hey, if this isn't working for you, you're completely fine. Let's go different directions. Right. And that's good. And that's easy. Um, but I know it's some, some of the corporate roles, you know, it's a very uh, prolonged process right. in uh, in leading somebody. And, you know, we talk about coaching them up or coaching right. them out. Coaching and them. coaching them out is a can be an incredibly tedious process in the corporate be. world. Right. Yeah. And, and it even makes me think about it. We didn't really talk about it much in the pre-work, but I think about um, you as an example. Um, when you were an individual contributor at, um, in the insurance world mm -hmm. and you were just like fire and flame, like you were just the best of the best of the best. Mm. Uh, and then you moved into a leadership role and it was like, okay, well, there's inertia here because these people aren't as, I, I wouldn't say they're not as motivated, but with I would. You. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying to be too PC. I, I, I would say uh, the the most diplomatic way I'd put it was they were not at your level, and I mm. felt that way um, when I became a leader because I was like, "Well, you just do the job. Yeah, you don't need to be told to do the job. You just do the job." And then uh, you become a leader, and you realize, "Oh, these people actually have to have motivators. They have mm -hmm. to have." incentives you have to find ways and then sometimes the incentives aren't even going to do the job right. um, so it's difficult when you transition as a leader and i would say that to um young tenured leaders that you have to understand just because mm -hmm. you're as hard working and lethal as you are it doesn't mean your team's going to be that's right and it was and i remember um and there's this it's a naive thought i remember having mm -hmm. thinking oh every surely everybody wants, right. wants it as bad as I do and they're right. hungry because right. I felt hungry you know mm -hmm. I remember like you know um, Cassie would um, uh, Cassie would give me when I was an individual contributor just answering phones on the front line as a customer right. service rep um, she would give me like a, a sheet and I'd say okay this is the chart how you're doing your performance right what you're doing outside of your role um to build your brand and then uh, and, and I, she wanted me to rate myself this every single month when we got together um one out of five so in, in every single month i'm showing up talking about why i'm a five that, right. that, that's the way, way i just thought about it like right. every month i'm gonna give you a statistical and a subjective perspective exactly on why i'm a five right and then so that's just was normal yeah so then I transition into the leadership role and I'm like, okay, yeah. let me just give the same worksheet. And then I'm like, Hey, are you, right. do y'all want a five? Like, yeah. You know, I mean, even it, again, I just, you just think everybody wants it. Right. Right. And, um, but yeah, there's this element of, I think some disappointment. Yeah. But then you have great people, you sure, know, and, and you, sure. you find that everybody doesn't have to want it. Yeah. But, wouldn't it be nice if everybody did? It would did? be so great <laughs> if everybody was on the same page and everybody was a Derek. <laughs> if we got all Derek's and no, all no, no, Jenkins, no. we'd be that, in a great spot. That is not the message. <laughs> yeah, and I mean... But, that, but, but, yeah. I, but I think about it from a drive perspective. Like there's, I think there has to be, and I've learned that there's a sobriety in knowing, okay, 
I will never be criticized for not giving all my effort. Right. I'll be criticized for giving the wrong effort, right. like too much. Right. I'll take right. that one every day, yeah, but I won't, sure. I won't take that. I cannot be criticized for not. Yeah. And I, I don't even understand. I can't conceptualize it. And maybe that's the reason why we were drawn to leadership roles. I can't conceptualize coming in and being like, all right, I'm just going to duck down, keep my head down. Maybe nobody will understand I'm not doing anything, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and and I've talked to people about that before. Um, I recently had a coworker that was just like, I don't understand why people aren't doing their job. And I'm like, you have to understand that not everybody is motivated like you, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so, you know, I told you about it, I think like two percent of people are just geared towards I'm just going to do the job regardless. The other 98 percent as a leader, you have to figure out what motivates them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and I, I think I told you in response to that is like, I feel like that 2% that are just naturally driven, they're the one that actually wants additional accountability. Right, right. So, and I found that like with hard work, I think with humility as well, like the, the, the most humble people are the people that actively get outside perspective, right. but it's like you need it the least, yeah. but you want it the most. Right. And the people who need it the most want it the least. And it's this it is a crazy paradox. It's, yeah, I completely agree. Um, So let's talk about some of the, um. so you talked about, the element in leadership, maybe even you thought about like a direct report, the mm -hmm. the failure you felt in that element. Right. Um, what what other challenges did you face that you, you might call a failure in, in, in your leadership journey? Um, the biggest thing for me, and and I, I, I would call it a, a failure if I was looking at it objectively, but I also think that I grew a lot out of it. Um, you know, when I was, when we were in the insurance industry, I, in the service role, I was a rock star. Mm -hmm. like, I, Everybody. This is true, and he's not bragging. This is just this is a real a real fact. Yeah, this is one of the very few moments where I'll say something positive about myself. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, everyone came to me. It was like, hey, he's the expert. Um, he's a black belt. Like you got to go to this guy. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just was not growing in that role. So I moved from a service role, which takes inbound calls on existing customers, to a sales role, um, and I took on a brand new team. All of them were brand new to the company. Um, and we went through time and we went through heartache. We had some successes that I'm very mm -hmm. proud of. I'm very proud of those people. Um, but ultimately, I had to step away from the role because uh, we had something, I guess, if you're a layman and you, you, you know, you're not in the insurance world, um, compliance is very important. So there's sure. specific things you have to say on the phone. Um, and my team was not being able to achieve that. So there came to a point when I realized I can either fire every one of these 14 people or I can step away from them. Mm -hmm. And I'm not in the business of firing people. So yeah. um, I told my my leader at the time, I said, I, for the sake of these people so they can go to other supervisors and maybe have a different look, I need to step away. Um, and I remember he, he was so gracious in that moment. He was like, well, he was I think he said something that was profane, but he said, <laughs> hey, thank you, thank you for keeping my show PG. Of course, of course. Um, but he said, "Don't worry about them. What about you?" Uh -huh. And I, I was like, I, I realize that I'll, I'll be fine. Um, mm -hmm. But if these people get a different supervisor on a different team, they'll have a different type of growth. And you know, if I step away now, it prevents these people from being fired. Um, and I say that that was a defeat, but it also was a success because I remember we had a huddle um, for people not aware of how mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that world works. You have huddles every day. And um, we were having our huddle. I was going through numbers and my direct manager came up 
And he told my team, you know, I just want you to know that there are people who are going for promotions that don't work as hard as Michael is stepping away from the role. Mm -hmm. Um, So if anything, I felt like, you know, whatever, like if, if I have great numbers, if I have great execution, but to get a compliment on my integrity, Mm -hmm. that speaks volumes to me. Yes. And I, I think it, there's, there's something powerful because I think as a goal that you have with integrity is you want people who know you best mm-hmm. to respect you the most, you know? And I think about um, your leader in that, in that spot. I think there was incredible respect he had for you right. um, despite what was happening with sure. your direct report. Right. So the, your direct reports weren't um, performing. Right. And then, um, but this, the, the amount of respect he had for you, I think that speaks volumes about your character. Thank you. And, uh, and yeah, I think it's, 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 I know for me, the challenge of it, you, you, I found out that I was whatever, one of eight, um, or however many there were, one of eight supervisors of the 30 or 35 supervisors that was being, um, let go. Right. And I think the analysis of it is like, hold on, like bottom eight, like really? Like, and then I'm going through the stats, you know, I'm going through the efficiency stats or Mm. quality stats. And then I'm looking at not just currently, but then the the progress we were making, you know, and and everything that's happening. Right. And, um, and then you're seeing areas, oh, that's a rough area, you know, we could certainly be be better in. Sure. But then you're going, I'm I'm just going, hey, I'm not bottom eight though. (laughs) Like, where where does this come from? Um, But then you also, I mean, I remember analyzing every bit of the journey, every meeting. I mean, how much money I was putting into these, some of these meetings to see, like, was I all in? Right. You know, was I invested? I'm just going, I I feel like I was all in Mm -hmm. now. And then I looked at extracurriculars, you know, like speeches that I was giving outside of my role Mm -hmm. and, you know, leadership development program, um, speeches and presentations. And, and I'm looking at all of that. I'm going, wait, like, so they're going to pick the guy that was speaking the most in in that space. So I think there's this, um, there's a proverb, I think it says hope deferred makes the heart sick. I like that. And I felt like a sick heart was like all up in my chest, you know, right. And going through that experience. And, uh, so I don't know anybody who wants to get voted off the island is the way I felt. Of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, in that situation and I wouldn't demean the organization at all because they have to make money. Uh, you know, my, I would constantly get feedback that it was like, yeah, you're the most ethical. You're not stealing any binds from anybody. You're not taking money from anybody. Um, you're here constantly. I was there nonstop, you know, getting like 20,000 steps, just walking with my headset, listening to calls. Mm -hmm. Um, and even then, like I would, uh, other teams would be like calling me for assistance. Um, and you know, I, I gladly gave it and I was just like, I'm putting in this much effort. And, and I felt that same way. It's like, how am I not the greatest right mm-hmm. now? Uh, and especially since like in service, I had n- no problem whatsoever in succeeding. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it, there's a lot to learn from that. It definitely puts you in a place where y- you're exposed and you see specifically what your opportunities are. Sure. So uh, t- tell me about stepping away from, from, from nationwide, you know, stepping mm-hmm. away from the insurance or um, I guess it was nationwide because you stayed in insurance for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about stepping away from nationwide um, after nine years. What, what was challenging about that for you? It it was very bizarre because it, 
I always say it. I tell people it all the time. Like we have our corporate brainwashing. We had our nationwide, mm-hmm. um, you know, our culture. The, everything about the nationwide culture is just exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, so walking away from that, and not to say that you know State Farm or Big Brothers Big Sisters had anything to a detriment, but to step away from. A, a language like it, it really was a language you spoke nationwide mm. blue um going away from that and just trying to figure out who i am outside of it that that took a lot and yep. you know you you have this identity and at nationwide you know i i was known you know so it was like yeah this guy's renowned like we mm, know this guy mm-hmm. and then to just go and be an unknown again was Yes. Bizarre. Right. Very bizarre. It it is weird. Like like they you feel like I have nationwide DNA. Yes. You yes. know? And uh and and you and I remember recalling I was like, how many times have I like promoted this brand when that wasn't being paid to? <laughs> right, you know, like right. and I remember like family members like after they heard me, me speak, uh, talk up on nationwide, they're like, "Oh, right. well, you make me want to go get a quote." Yeah, you know, like uh-huh. one of I remember the value one of values is we sell nationwide and all we do. Right, right, yeah. right. And I, I yeah. felt like I was living that, you know. Yeah. So I was like, "Hold on, I'm giving these people like this um, voluntary um, uh-huh. marketing, yes, you know, th- through my personal brand, right." And then um, I'm no longer going to be connected. Yes. And then I remember like getting on LinkedIn and and like you see like other successes from that are not even connected with me anymore. Right. Like the the like you know the C suites, you know, or you know uh-huh. the. Um, but you, you, I just feel felt like this um, disconnect, and I might even say there was this a sadness right. that was right. associated with anything successful that Nationwide was doing. Yes. I, I think um, what was her name, Tori. Do you remember the, the singer who curly hair? Oh, I don't. Um, I don't. She's associated with Nationwide. Um, I kind of know what you mean. Kelly, you... Kelly, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? <laughs> so she, she she's uh, one of the artists that Nationwide um, yes. had brought on. But I even seen the, the Nationwide jingle in the commercial, yes. and like there's like this element of pain. Yeah, that's I'm associated. not part of the team anymore. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, I get that, and I see that on LinkedIn too, and like. Um, there's specific former coworkers that we have um, and they're posting and they're like, we had a great day doing this and we took mm-hmm. care of this and we built bikes for kids. And I'm just like, you know, <laughs> You're outside, I'm, like, I'm waiting outside, like my badge, outside the window. my badge doesn't work and somebody <laughs> let me in. Yeah, for sure. Cause like just, and, and I think probably that happens with any corporate culture yeah. is, you know, you, you really get into it and you start speaking the language. And then when you leave it, like, I remember there were times, um, after I had put in my notice, um, a big thing that I had was the the change, the continuous improvement. Mm-hmm. And like I was working with people on their projects and they're like, man, you're so good at this. This is so great. What are we going to do next week? I'm like, I won't be here. Mm, so, yeah. I'm, like, I'm sorry, you can work with somebody else, but it's not going to be me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I see the reason why so many former employees are like, man, I miss being there. Mm. You know, it. It. I mean, it was a family. Yeah. So even and, you know, speaking on the whole concept of this about talking about um, leadership failure, it's like even when you had a misstep, they were like, well, we'll get you through it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I felt it when I had the site closure. I felt the exact same as you where I was just like, oh, I'm I'm just going to you're getting rid of me, you know, Mm -hmm. but there were so many other times where it was like, hey, you're having opportunities in this, but we're going to help you through it. Yep. And uh so what is it like talking about it now? I mean, I'm curious, like uh-huh. your experience and 
um, talking about like some of the nuances that we're talking right. about now. So I don't know if you've ever have you ever talked about like in a, in, a, in a way like this. I no, I have not. Um, a lot of my coworkers always ask me about it. They think you know. Well, a lot of I guess the people that I work with just came out of college. It's their first real job, mm -hmm. and so they're like, "Oh, tell me more about that." Like it's wild and profound to them to think about having a job for almost a decade, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so talking about it now, I, I look back on it and I'm like, I don't have any spite in it. I'm so thankful yes. for the opportunities, you know? And if anybody were to ask me, hey, I, I, I want to become a business professional, where should I go? I'd be like, nationwide, it's right across the interstate from mm -hmm. uh, SeaWorld, go check it out. It's there we a go. Job. Yeah, um, but it, it is nostalgic to me. Um, would I ever go back into it? Ooh. I can't. I can't say. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like if I, I, I've had that, I guess daydream where I get a um, phone call from Julian. <laughs> Shout out to Julian. Um, yeah. and he's like, hey, we need a we need a supervisor back on the team. Are you up to it? You know, and would I do it? I I, I just can't say. And you get out of the stands, pull it off, put the jersey on. God, they keep calling me back. I'm back. I'm, I'm Dwight Howard. Change me from 12 to 39. I'm a Laker again. Yeah, it is. It is a. I think it's a fascinating journey. I think there's again it, the idea of us talking about it. It's. I know the the, the phrase that comes to my mind or the the word is like uh, cathartic. Yes. You know, like. Yeah. To talk about it, to laugh about it, even you know, even the joke you made about um, the badge outside the window or waving. I think right. there's something that's like freeing about you saying it and hearing it, and then me relating to right. that very much. So, so would you go back? Um, no, no. So it's a fair, fair answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I feel like there's a part of me that never w wants to be. I'm not above. Let I me mean, be, be very clear. Right. I, 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 there's very. I always want to be clear that I'm never above because one, I I, I believe in a higher power that that will humble me quickly right. and be like, oh yeah? yeah, all other doors closed, but nationwide. Welcome to Valero. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I, I'll say this: uh, there is a sobriety mm -hmm. that I had, and I had to come to, in asking why. And for me, it was different than you. you, know, you I know you had, you had tremendous success in service. I was picked one out of eight right. among 30 or 35 others, mm -hmm. which says something. Yeah. And then when it came to job fit, and if, I, if I'm completely transparent, while I was working with Nationwide, I found myself not only thinking, but having conversations with people asking, well, what would it take for you to leave Nationwide? Right. And I would have those conversations because I would ask myself that. Right. And I knew my answers. Yeah. And it was... If I can spend, because of the ninety nine percent of great things with Nationwide, the one thing that I would I would criticize, right? Um, it's not even a big criticism; it's a normal. I think I think it's a normal criticism, but mm. it's this: it's I felt like I was trained to be the quarterback and the lineman and the uh -huh. receiver and the and the right. running back and the fullback and uh, the defensive end, and you know, mm -hmm. and the list goes on. Like right. I was trained to be the kicker. Like every position on the football team is what you're trained to do. Sure. But I'm only really great at being a cornerback. Right. Cornerback. That's right. it. That's the only role I'm like exceptional in. Right. And I only get to do that ten percent of the time. Yeah. Maybe right. if 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 we said with the people who actually wanted it, maybe five yeah. percent of the time. Right. Um. And so when I would have that conversation with people about what would it take for, you, for me to leave, mm -hmm. I would say I would take fifty percent less money. 
right. if I could spend 80 to 90% doing what I'm most passionate about, which right. is speaking and training and, and coaching people who wanted it. Agreed. So, yeah. so there was like this element of, um, can I step away? I think, I think there's, I know, you know, uh, something I've told people publicly that even like with lifting this business and, and having this business elevating, become profitable, mm-hmm. it has to be like, uh, like we're, we have our, our date, no, our, my, our timeline is right. February 29th. Mm-hmm. So February 29th, I'll consider the corporate world again. Right. But I don't see myself even looking at yeah. the open roles at Nationwide at that time, gotcha. if it came to that. Right. I'm bringing that, hey, this this whole podcast and speaking right. culture thing takes <laughs> off and I will never have to consider it. Right. right. But I don't see myself, um, and maybe it's pride, but but there's maybe. a... I think I would explore every single avenue possible right. before nationwide. I think there's also an aspect of it where it's like, would you go back to high school? It's like that was a time period in my life. Mm-hmm. I had great times in high school. I'm not going to go back to high school because I'm grown and you know I've <laughs> I've already got my diploma. I don't need to go back. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that 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 was there. I think also with it, um, something that I found was. Um, I, this is so tangential, but um, okay. finding that I had to move, like finding that I had to move to be able to be successful was difficult mm. um, because, you know, in, in Columbus, Ohio, when you tell them, well, I moved from Amarillo to San Antonio, it's like, yeah, that still was in Texas. You haven't moved yet. Mm. And I'm like, that's eight hours away. Like it's a whole different <laughs> geographical location. <laughs> right, right. And for, you know, them to say, look, dude, for you to move up, you've got to move somewhere. You've got to move to Des Moines. You've got to move to Columbus. And and at the time, you know, I was just like, no, I've got a very, very small child. I, I, I can't just be moving all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was, that's something that in the event that Julian calls me and says, Hey, I need a supervisor. <laughs> I would fully realize the fact that once I got my foot in the door, it would be, okay, where is he going to move? Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I love San Antonio. I've never felt more at home than here mm-hmm. in San Antonio. I don't want to leave. Yes. Yeah. So, so talk about, you said, I know we talked about going back. Yeah. So then you were in the, 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 the customer service supervisor role, mastered it. Right. Expert level. Mm-hmm. You get into the sales role, mm-hmm. does not go great with it with the with the perf- performing team. Yeah. Then so you're transitioning out. Did you ever have the thought of, hey, let me go back to service and get in a leadership role, <laughs> customer service supervisor? Uh, you ever have that's that a, thought? That's a great question. Um, so it was actually asked of me by m- my managers, and they were like, hey, go, you know, you can go back to service, you can go to finance, you can go do this. Um, and and I wouldn't even say that my team was underperforming because they were still making money. Um, they mm-hmm. were they were making good money. I and I had good agents. Mm-hmm. It was just that compliance issue, mm-hmm. and you know me having to day over day, you know, write people up. I was just oh, bad, bad experience. Um, but when it was asked to me, because they did want to keep me on, because of, from a talent perspective, it was like, do you want to just go back to the service role? And I wouldn't say that it was hubris. I wouldn't say that it was pride. Maybe I would. I don't know. <laughs> there, was a, there was an aspect of it where I was like, if I just go back into that role, what will people think? Mm. I would rather just leave than do that. Um, but not only that, from a, if I looked at myself from, as a career professional, if I went back to that role, what would I be gaining? I would go right back to that mastery level. I would go right back to having a team and not growing, not becoming anything more. 
Um, so that just didn't sound like it, something I wanted to do. And I, I really wanted to get into the nonprofit world. So nice. it looked like to me, I was like, okay, I'll find a good stopgap. I'll go work for State Farm. If an opportunity comes up that I can work in the nonprofit world, I'm going to jump at the opportunity. Mm-hmm. But going back into service and having like guys like you be like, hey, uh, can you give me some advice on mm-hmm. this? I'm like, I've already done this. <laughs> I don't, don't want to do this again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was it was a, a bit of an aspect of I need to grow, so I'm not going back. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then I think about the. Uh, so one of the things I get to do now is I uh, lead a group of professionals on uh, on se- several times throughout the week, but one of the times is a Tuesday morning from eight to nine, mm-hmm. um, uh, and uh, we were going through. And we went through this, um, it's, it was called the law of awareness with personal growth. And the law of awareness, one of the things you have to assess is where are you in your um, career path, right? And it talks about, are you in the confusion path, which is you don't know what you would love to do mm-hmm. for your career. Um, so you don't know, and you also don't take steps. So you st- almost stay confused. Mm-hmm. And then there's the frustrated path, which is you know what you want to do but you do nothing about it. So you like see this, you know, this greener pasture or you see this, what you would love to potentially do, but you do nothing to prepare. And then there's the fulfilled path where you know what you want to do and you're actively working for it. So I think for me, the idea of like going back, I think it would be more, I would be settling for the frustration path right? where I know what I would love to be doing, which Mm -hmm. is what I'm I'm doing now. Right. But, um, but I hope to never be back, be on that path again. Yeah, so I agree. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um. So looking back, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Actually, before I go to the next question, there's an element of uh, uh, what people think about you. It's such a big one. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And um, and there's this pride that I, I will feel and sense immediately, <laughs> and I'll feel it so badly that I'm like. I know I have to be proactive in overcoming this. Right. So I'll go. Um, so I think there's two two responses that are kind of like uh, when I, I found out about the layoff. Mm-hmm. Do I do I not tell anybody or do I tell everybody? Right. Right. So I was like, I know which one I feel is more cowardly. Yes. And if cowardly is a, a vice of mine that I try to avoid as much mm-hmm. as possible because I know it, it it never helps me. Right. Um. So I was like, man. So I'm gonna do this route. Yeah. I'm gonna actively tell as many people as I can <laughs> that yeah. that about about this is what's happening. But it's right. interesting because I care. Again, I cared so much what people thought about me yeah. is. I'm not going to have people find out that I'm going to a layup and then I hit about it. Yeah. But I'll, I'm going to tell everybody because I'd rather be a, a courageous person going through a layup than a coward going yeah, through a layup, sure. if that makes sense. Yeah, I get that. But there's still so much thought into mm-hmm. what do people think about me right. and then I'm responding out of that uh, right out of that thought process. Yeah, and it, that makes me think about whenever I left. I didn't tell anybody. Mm. And I'm not, I was calling no, you. No, no, you're, you're fine. And, and for me, like, if I look at that introspectively, I'm like, okay, was I being cowardly? And no, I was just walking away. Uh-huh. I was like, what is it going to benefit to tell Derek and Amy and all these people? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, uh, I think, uh, so the day that I, I mentioned Julian, um, the day that I left, I was walking out of the building and Julian was like, hey, what, what you know, what's up, Luna? What are you doing? I was like, oh, this is my last day. And he's like, what? <laughs> and I was just like, I didn't think that it was relevant. Mm-hmm. You know, I I realized that I was a cog in the machine. And mm-hmm. 
you know, the next day people would come to work, they do their job and that would be it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, uh, I remember like the, the day that I left, I think like three or four of my employees were there because my, my manager let me go early. He was just like, you know what, man, you, you've worked so hard, go, mm-hmm. go take a rest. Um, and you know, I just, I said bye to them. And I remember the looks on their faces were like, sucks that this happened to this guy. Mm-hmm. should have. Mm-hmm. Cause like the, the, when I left, the people who were on the floor were some of my best like compliance agents. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so they were never going to get fired. They were going to do great things. Yeah. Um, and I remember like they didn't even, so protocol, I don't know if this happened to you protocol, your manager is supposed to walk you out so mm-hmm. that you don't like, I don't know, steal something or, <laughs> fight somebody know, on the way. Yeah. <laughs> push somebody. Um, but yeah. my manager was just like, you, you can just go ahead and, you know, just go, you're fine. And so I rem- remember I just walked out and like, I think I passed somebody that worked in the restaurant and they were like, see you tomorrow. And I was like, <laughs> cool <laughs> so i i don't think that there was an ordeal of like self-esteem or ego it was really just mm. i'm walking away from this yeah and no i got you uh, yeah i got you i think there's part of me that i wanted it to it to be somewhat of a emotional transition i felt like super emotionally connected to people too yeah and i wanted people to know hey this is what's happening right yeah 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 and i I went through like a series of thank yous and you know all of that so right um gotcha so let's see here. All right. So you're looking back. So l- looking back, Michael Luna, was that two and a half years ago? Three years uh, ago? Two years ago. Two, okay. uh, two and a half. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll say two and a half. So two and a half years ago, you are able to talk to Michael Luna then. Uh-huh. What advice do you give him going through all that? I would tell him, don't be afraid to be resilient. Like understand fully that you have the capability to survive this ordeal. Um, you know, your, your team's still doing well. Um, you're just not at the level that you want to be. So don't be afraid to fail. But in the event that, because one of the deciding factors for me, whenever it happened, whenever I left, I got home from work. I had worked probably 12 hours that day. Um, and I I went upstairs to, my son was crying and he needed to be changed. And I was so anxious that I couldn't even pick him up. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess you know, at that time I was like, okay, this is, this is done. Like I'm way too stressed. So I would tell that Michael Luna, don't be afraid to be resilient and don't be afraid to walk away and Mm. find out what it is that you want to do in your life and do it. And it's going to be the right thing to do. Mm. I like it. I like it. Very good. So let's, uh, let's, let's, let's take the transition over. Sure. Over to, uh, big brothers, big sisters. Tell, tell me about your role. So you're a um, I am an outcomes, outcomes manager. manager. Yeah. So the best way that I can put it is my job is to ensure the success of our role, of our matches. Um, so I'm actively surveying the kids as well as the mentors to see how things are going in the relationship, um, to see where the kid is developing. Um, I'm also working to um, build activities. Uh, We have monthly match anniversary parties where we commemorate the match. Um, And I'm just looking at analytics. I'm looking at all of those surveys and I'm saying, what is it that I see that's happening in these kids' lives and Mm -hmm. what can we do to benefit them? Nice. What would you say is the most rewarding part of your, your role? Oh, man. So the part that makes me 
tear up a little bit <laughs> is um, when we have our match anniversary parties and we ask the um, mentors and the kids um, about their match and the kids will share things where it's like, you know, I, I didn't know that I needed this in my life and, mm -hmm. you know, or you have a match that's been together for nine years and it's like, it's, I'm so proud to have seen her grow up from a little kid to a young adult and mm -hmm. just seeing that, you know, it's, it's just like, that's so rewarding um, because it's so important for kids to have an adult in their life that's yes. not their parent or guardian. Wow. Um, and so, you know, we, one thing that we monitor is the 40 developmental assets. And these basically say whether or not a kid is going to be successful in life. It's 48? 40 developmental assets. 40 of them? There's 40. Wow. Yeah, I, didn't so get a, we, I didn't get my hands on this list. Yeah, so we, we check those. There's things like, um, you know, reading for pleasure, religious community, service to others. Um, and just having a role model in your life affects 21 of the assets. We Whoa. See. So you just showing up, talking to a kid you affect 21 dang days. okay that's so, one in my notes right yeah, there yeah. yes so you know we're we're definitely um we're benefiting these kids and you just see it in their lives and i've seen some of these kids where it's like one of the the most difficult things that i was a reality check for me because i you know i understand underprivileged backgrounds mm -hmm. um, but we have um our workplace um, program where kids meet up with bigs that are part of an organization. They meet once a month. They go to um, the place of where they work and for an hour they eat lunch and they do a project. And we had a group of kids come up and they were like, that was crazy. And I was like, what, what was crazy? And they're like, the elevator. They had never seen an elevator. Whoa. And I was just like, that blew me away. And they saw like, um, a projector and they were like what is that like these kids are so underprivileged that they've never seen these things mm -hmm. so it's just amazing and so resonant to think about the fact that these kids are getting an opportunity they wouldn't have got otherwise yes i love that you're pulling all of my like intrinsic motivation <laughs> to impact the world yeah. to change so where can we sign you up <laughs> you primed it just perfectly you said all yeah. the good things you took me through your journey and it's yeah. a perfect time to ask me you know yeah <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be a great big <laughs> um i'm calling you tomorrow by the way hey uh well one it's nice to be wanted, period. Yes. Because <laughs> I knew you wouldn't ask me if I wasn't uh, somewhat oh, of a, no, I think a, a decent human being. Oh, because of <laughs> and, and we don't have a lot of bigs over on this side of town. So just a, a meander in that, we need more people over here. So, ah, look so at you. Look saying, at you. Just okay, saying. okay. See, Recruit. here recruiting me. Um, who would you say is the, was the biggest influence in your leadership journey? Such an easy question. <laughs> Such an easy question. Um, and I hope that you listen to this and it's 47 minutes in. So sorry that I uh, am only referencing you up to this point. Um, and sorry you've had to listen to me because I know that, you know, you've heard my voice enough. Um, but it's definitely Rachel Perez. Um, or She used to be um, my, my leader and she had the greatest impact on me professionally um, when we were at Nationwide. And we were in Amarillo. I was a foot out the door. I was like, I'm, I'm going to go work at Best Buy. I'm going to go sell TVs. Mm -hmm. um, there was a role that I was trying for that I thought I had. And it was a guaranteed sure thing. And then it wasn't. <laughs> um, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to take this somewhere else. And, um, you know, she recognized that I had strengths. And she was like, you know, you, you should 
I, I don't know if this is necessarily how she brought it up, but she said, you know, you, you, you could work for me. Um, so I became a quality assurance analyst and, and my, my leader prior to her, he cared about me. He was able to, you know, be there to fulfill things for me. And, but when I got to Rachel, it just transcended. It was like, oh my gosh, like she would sit down and she'd ask you what energizes you as a person. Mm. And I'm like, why are you asking me that? I'm just listening to the phone calls. Like, and, you know, she'd be like, what are your strengths? What do you want to be? You know, what, what do you want to do in this organization? Um, and then she moved to a management role and she was like, hey, there's a supervisor role. You should take it. Um, and, and I took it. And then we went through the site closure together and then we moved to San Antonio. Um, and, you know, we we went through a lot of different changes. Like we we went through that site closure together. And I'm just some random kid. Like I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, I was about to go work at Best Buy. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. And then you have this leader who's well-polished, well-maintained, um, cares about people, you know. And, and I just, it got to a point where when I was in a leadership role and I didn't know what to do, I would just say, what would Rachel do in this situation? Mm-hmm. And that's what guided me. Yes. Um, you know, so she was definitely impactful. Um, her and her husband are awesome people. I ascribe to be as cool as them. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I still check in with her. Um, she actually got me on to Big Brothers Big Sisters because, like, I, I reached out to her um, as my mentor. And I was mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm kind of trying to look for another job. And she was like, oh, we have a job here. You want to try to come here? And then seeing her in that role, and she's a she's a big sister as well, and she's fantastic at it. Mm-hmm. But just seeing her in that role, and then now she's public speaking, and I'm just like, man, mm-hmm. I want to be as much of a grown-up as you. <laughs> so, so yeah, I would say the most impactful person was definitely Rachel. Um, she definitely uh, made me what I am as a career professional today. Come on. Yeah. I love that. I think um, it's amazing hearing about legacy yeah. and her impact with you. And even the the, the way you describe it, uh, you, you describe it as vision. Like right. she helped you to have vision. She mm-hmm. she helped you to look inwardly, your your, yes. your motivation, your, ener- your energy. Right. Um, she gave you the encouragement mm-hmm. to believe in what you can do right. um, in your career. And then not only that, I feel like it's one thing to do all of those things, mm-hmm. but then to open, to be a door opener too. Yes. Right. Exactly. So she's open to, to door to quality analysts right. and to open a door for the supervisor and then yeah. open a door for big brothers, um, big, big brothers, big sisters. Yes. That's correct. Um, and so all of those things, I think they are somebody who, uh, believes in you mm-hmm. and, uh, and just continue to add value to you, which Definitely. is, this is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I, I would even say learning to speak on failures. Um, I learned that from her as well. She's mm-hmm. very open about the things that she had opportunities in. So, you know, when you have a role model that can actually say, hey, I'm not perfect. Here's the things that I have not achieved. Mm-hmm. That's just so big. So you're like, oh, you're you're a human being, too. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, it and you speak on legacy, like me being at Big Brothers, Big Sisters right now. I would say 80% of the purpose there is to uphold her legacy mm-hmm. um, as as a person there. So wow. yeah, so I, I I definitely say that. And I still reach out to her. I'm like, hey, I've got this going on. I've got this going on. And it's just important to have that mentor. So like even I feel like I'm fulfilling the purpose that she fulfilled for me because I have people reaching out to me. Mm-hmm. You know, you asked me to do this podcast. Yes. Um, I have a friend that's asking me to speak to her students. Mm-hmm. Um 
And and then I just have people that are like, hey, can you help me with my resume? Can you help me with interview skills? And I'm like, sure, that's what Rachel would do. Yeah, there we go. I've got it. No problem. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And again, like when you're listening in, I think that this, that's a great principle is who can you be that for somebody, right? Who can you believe in? Who can you energize? Who can you help them to understand themselves, their right. their strengths, what energizes them? And then if you're in the role and you've, you're, you've added value to them, like what doors can you open for other people? Right. And I, and I think it's, 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 just, it's crazy the amount. I mean, she has engraved an impact mm-hmm. into your life right for for your for life right right you know which yeah. is like it's mind-blowing to consider mm-hmm. but then you think about these just these these things that she's done like definitely they're uh, rep- replicable right like exactly anybody could do that yeah you know? yeah and uh for sure so. yeah and something that's very important for young leaders to understand is never forget that somebody's watching mm-hmm. like you you think that you're coming into work you're having a bad day you spilled coffee on your shirt you still have to present that leadership role because somebody's watching and somebody's learning how to be because they're watching you. Mm-hmm. Indeed, my friend. Well, yeah. we talked about, about some great content already. Uh-huh. I know we're going to bring it in for a landing, but before we close, I want to ask you, tell me about your, uh, your son, Adam. Yes. yes. Um, what is your favorite quality about him? So I've used the word already, um, but I'll use it again. I love that my son demonstrates the resiliency that I have. Um, I told you the story and I'll kind of explain it here as well. Um, this year, my son had very dramatic, um, seizures, Mm -hmm. uh, a couple times. And one time when it happened, I was at work, um, (laughs) my GPS wasn't working. So it took me on all these weird back roads. Um, and I'm just thinking my son is so far away from me. I got to get to the hospital and then I have a car accident. Oh no. I get hit rear-ended and the guy's like here i'll just give you some cash and me being an insurance guy i'm like no we report this to the police because it's the right thing to do Mm. so i get to the um the hospital finally because my son lives in austin um i get in there nobody knows how to tell me where to go to pediatric icu like i walk up to the front desk and i say where's pediatric icu and they're like oh i don't know and i think it's a joke and it's not a joke. I'm like, oh, wait, hold on. You work here. You're the mm. gatekeeper. You don't know where this is. So uh. I wander all over the place. Finally, I find it. Um, and they don't know who I am. Um, and so I'm standing outside the door of my son's operating room. And I just hear him screaming. And I can't do anything. Oh, my him. goodness. And I'm just crying because I'm like, is he dying? Like, what's happening? Right. Um and I get in there and I found out the reason why he was screaming was he was trying to pull out his his breathing tube so that he could get up and walk. Mm. Uh, so I get in there and he's just like, hey, dad, what's up? And I'm just <laughs> like, you are the strongest child ever and mm. you will be victorious in life. Yes. Um, and so, you know, he he's resilient. He runs just as much as me. He has just as much of a sarcastic attitude as me. Um, <laughs> but it's definitely a good thing to be able to look at him and say, you're going to be a future leader of the world. Come on, baby. Yeah. Come on, baby. Resilient yeah. future leader of the world. Yes. Uh, I love that. I love hearing about you and I love hearing about your, uh, your son and everything you see and about him that's going to make him successful. Yes. And hopefully I won't mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing about resilience is even if you do, yeah, it's then fine. he's going to overcome it's anyway. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping to affect his 40 assets, you know, I'm that's hoping right. to help him out with that, but he's going to be strong. And, you know, we, 
I love him to death. He's the best thing about this life. Come on now. Well, good. Well, if you're listening in, I'm here with Michael Luna, and we're talking about failure in the leadership journey. This is the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. And also, do us a favor. Go ahead and like the podcast. Give it that five-star rating on on, on iTunes. Um, Comment, share it, and don't forget to subscribe. Thank you. Thank you.